Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast. Andre Galliber. It's been a minute. Hope you enjoyed your holiday. The Knicks made the in-season tournament, and nobody's making a big deal about it. I guarantee you, if they missed the tournament, you guys would be running your mouths about it. But they're one of the final four teams in the conference. Give them credit. Give them credit. So back in like it's not a big deal. It is. Just like the Knicks being in fifth place is a big deal, even though they have not played great. That loss to Phoenix was not fun. Wasn't fun. I didn't like it. Was blessed enough to be at that game. Had excellent seats, thanks to my wife. I saw that shot from Booker. I knew it had a good chance of going in as soon as he rose up to take it. I, I was standing up. I was I was going to sit down as the ball was in the air. It was an open look. Bottom line, I know there's a lot of pushback from folks on whether or not it was an open look. I don't think, and, and I used to make this mistake myself. What what looks like a contested shot to some some of us is not contested to a lot of these players, especially a player like Devin Booker. Now, I think what's interesting is most of the Knicks, most of the Knicks players, that's a contested shot for them because they're not, they're not elite shooters. They're not as bad shooting the ball as people tend to make them because if you look at their shooting percentages, they're not bad at all. I think the Knicks are ninth in the league in three-point shooting percentage. But they don't take the type of shots that other teams take. What what most of us think are contested shots aren't contested shots to other teams. And they, they are contested shots to the Knicks. But they're not contested shots to a lot of these players. And they double-teamed Booker. But they contained on the double-team first. And then after a dribble, they needed to harass him. And what happened was... Randall was afraid of getting beat off the dribble there, and you can't blame him for being afraid of being beat off the dribble. But you have to make Booker split the double team there. So you harass on his right side where the ball was. He was he was dribbling into his right hand. You harass on his right side, and if he's going to cross you up and beat the double team, that becomes RJ's problem. You can't contain the way he contained. In that situation, you contain that first because that first step or two on a double team, you take a false step and get beat. You contain that first, but once you do that, now you have to harass the ball side uh, for Randall. You got to harass the ball side there so he doesn't get that good look that he got. And he rose up and shot that ball, and, he, and Randall contested late. And you look at the still shots, and it's like, oh, he's contesting. No, he's not contesting. That's a clean look for him. <laughs> Randall was nowhere near his eye line. He was nowhere near his shooting hand. It was a clean look for him. And as soon as he took it, I knew I had a good chance of going in. It was make or miss on him. It wasn't because of the defense. And that's a shame because you double teamed him. So the last thing you want to get beat on is him beating the double team because your double team was soft. But it was a bad loss, not because or just because there was no Durant or Beal, but Beal hasn't been there all year. But... It's a bad loss because the Knicks just didn't – I'm not going to say they didn't play with a sense of urgency. They were losing the whole game, and they had to fight their way back thanks to Jalen Brunson, and then Randall had his moments in the second half. It was 
they're they got beat schematically. And I talked about this in one of the previous shows. Some some losses you're getting beat schematically. And I'm not a big like fire I'm not a fire tips guy almost at all. Uh not at all. Zero percent for the most part. But I do feel like there are shortcomings that Tibbs has, just like most coaches, and I think you guys don't realize that, that are easy to fix. And either they don't know they need to fix them or he's too stubborn to do it. If it's the latter, then that pisses me off. Pisses me off. Now, by all reports, Tibbs is one of the better defensive coaches in the league. You can't argue it. You can't argue the Knicks defense at all. You really can't. But when it's time to make adjustments, sometimes he's been slow over the years. He's been much better the last couple of years. And the fact that they even double-teamed Devin Booker is a credit to Tibbs because most of the time, for years, up until like last season, I thought, like the end of last season, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even make an adjustment. It would just be like, take your medicine. But the execution was poor there. Where I thought he was getting beat schematically wasn't so much on how Phoenix was getting open shots every time down court. They were getting the shot they wanted. felt like every time down court. It wasn't because of that. It was the offense. And I, and I keep telling you, when I see people criticize the Knicks defense, it's so tone deaf to me. Because if you look at them relative to the rest of the league, and of course they have bad games here and there. You look at them rest, uh, according to the rest of the league or relative to the rest of the league, they have one of the better defenses in the league. And if you look at their scores, their scores, they had a team scoring 140, 150 points. And then they come play the Knicks the next night and they had 105. <laughs> the Knicks defense is way better than you guys give it credit for. It's just that if the game is close, the Knicks offense has to, they have to take the reins. In a close game, this is why the debate as to whether or not Milwaukee's a better team with Dame or Drew is kind of murky. Because what Dame gives them is down a stretch of games, he's one of the clutchest players in the history of the game. So when a game is tight, Dame is the advantage over Drew. Because down the stretch of big games with big players, Big-time players. Sometimes the defense doesn't matter. For one play, a great player can figure your defense out and, and score. And you saw Jimmy Butler do that, and it wasn't just one play. It was a whole quarter. And you saw him absolutely torch Drew Holiday. Right? Drew is one of the greatest perimeter players, defensive players ever. And the fact that Jimmy torched him doesn't make him any less a great defensive player. It's just when an offensive player gets in the zone, as Mark Jackson used to say, great offense beats great defense every time. So if if the Bucks can stay competitive, which they should, and they have throughout the entirety of the game, down the stretch of that game, they now have an advantage over other teams having a Dane Lillard. The question is, it will be in a playoff series, will the the cumulative effect of having a Drew Holiday on the floor and the advantage that creates defensively. Will it, will it hurt you not having that over the course of a series where Dame might get figured out? Because Dame has gotten figured out in playoff series before. All right. So at the end of the day, it's not great offense anymore if you got figured out. Maybe it's a double team. Maybe it's a different defender, whatever it is. 
Dame has lost playoff series before. So it's not like he's undefeated in the playoffs. No one is. But it's not like he's even had a great amount of success in the playoffs. And you can say it's because of his teammates, which it may have been. But we've seen Drew Holiday be the procuring cause of a championship in Milwaukee because of his defense. So you're not going to get an answer to that until the playoffs. But in the regular season, down the stretch of these games, here and there, Dame is an advantage. And what the Knicks don't have, and I'm not saying Jalen has not been an advantage because he has. And last year, he's one of the most, most clutchest players in the league. He was like top five, right? It's just that the ball does not always find Jalen for easy looks down the stretch. And he can't always keep it up for as long as he needs to keep it up every time in a close game, every time they play a good team. So if you're going to be in close games against good teams just about every single time and Jalen has to be the hero every single time, he's going to fall short enough of those times that you're going to lose those games, many of those games. And the reason why, the reason why this comes down to the Knicks schematic issues is because they can't find easy baskets down a stretch or consistently throughout these games that alleviates the pressure from Brunson to be a hero. They can't find easy baskets. They don't have go-to easy plays. They don't know how to take advantage of mismatches, uh, quick hitters, get this guy the ball in this spot, and that's a 60% chance he's going to make it. Jalen has to manipulate his way to those situations every single time. You can't say, hey, Julius is going to get double teamed. We're going to get a clean look if we get a double team off Julius. No, because you don't get a clean look every single time. There was a big play in the Milwaukee-Miami game last night where I think it was Middleton who got himself in the lane, drew a double team, dropped the ball off to Brooke Lopez who fumbled the pass but recovered, uh, took a power dribble towards the rim, rose up and finished. That's an easy bucket that was easy because Brooke was good enough to to make a mistake, drop a pass, but pick it up, gather himself, and still get a 100% quality look out of it because of his skill set. Can you say that Mitchell Robinson is going to do that? Can you say that when you need it, that there will be a player on the Knicks who's going to drive to the basket, draw a double team, Drop the ball off to Mitchell Robinson. He's going to drop the ball, pick it up, and still go up and finish uh, with a defender around, a small defender, but a defender around down the stretch of a game. Can you say that's going to happen? Can, how often has that happened? The Knicks are not getting easy dunks down the stretch of games. And I'm telling you, it's schematic. Some of it is skill set, like what Randall does sometimes. You, you think Randall should be able to make plays like that, and he doesn't. Even Jalen, you would think that Jalen can make plays like that and he doesn't. RJ, you go down the line quickly. I think the guy who's most capable of doing it is Hart. Oh, I should say guys, Hart, DiVincenzo, and Grimes. And we're going to talk about Grimes in a minute. But they don't do it. Not very often. And I'm telling you, it's schematic. It's where the pieces are on the floor. 
is not even so much how the pieces fit together. I know people quickly go to that. I don't even think that's it. It's the lack of movement. It's the lack of reads. And, and for some of the players, it's the lack of skill. You know, I, someone brought up, I don't think it was that game. I think it was the Miami game where Randall set a screen for IQ and had an open roll to the basket, but didn't roll to the basket. Instead, he tried to post up. It's a complete lack of awareness. Complete lack of awareness. Imagine being down the stretch of a game and you got an easy roll to the basket and you don't roll to the basket because you're too busy trying to post up at the free throw line. And he did this earlier in the season as well, where he was he was trying to 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 uh pin a defender and get an over the top pass when IQ was trying to get him to actually go to the basket, there was no one in front of him. That's a lack of awareness. So some of it is skill set, no question. But a lot of it is just where the pieces are on the floor. Now, the Knicks offense has a lot more movement and freedom by design than most of us think. Because all you hear Tibbs talk about is move the ball, move your bodies, play with pace all the time. And what the Knicks do is they play in concepts. They don't actually, those are not plays. Those are not structured plays to get a shot. They they play with concepts so that, okay, you go here, you go here, you go here. We move the ball around a little bit, and then we make reads. So guys have to make reads off that offense, and they're not doing it. So that's talent and awareness if they're not doing it properly. Ball movement, that's a choice, all right? But ball movement tends to come when there's body movement. So if guys are not reading the plays and cutting – Properly, sometimes the ball is going to stick. But by design, the ball sticks sometimes too because Jaylen, the ball sticks with Jalen. It sticks with Randall. Right? But there, you can't say that Tibbs is going to draw up a play that's going to get an easy basket. You just don't see it very often. And to me, that's what the Knicks need against good teams. They need four or five plays throughout the game that give them easy baskets. And the reason why I say just four or five is because what that does is it loosens the defense up a little bit where they're expect they're not they're no longer expecting where the ball's gonna go and just saying, hey, okay, it's, it's mano y mano. We just gotta make a stop here. We just gotta guard up. They have to be more aware because you're taking advantage of their anticipating something else happening. Taking advantage of it. So now they're like, oh, these guys, they backdoored us a few times. We got to be careful. So now I'm not as aggressive on this catch. Uh, they, they, hit, they hit Mitchell more often on these screenplays than they typically do. So now I'm going to back off into the paint a little bit faster to guard the alley-oop. And they've been hitting him a little bit more, a little bit more every game. But you understand what I'm saying. That's how you loosen defenses up. If they know what's coming every time, and it's just a matter of whether or not they can stop it, and the jig is going to be up on you against better teams. And you saw Nurkic, or I saw Nurkic, talking big trash to RJ and the Knicks because RJ kept taking the ball to the basket on Nurkic, and he got he got away with it a couple times when Nurkic was, was jacking him up most of the time, and Nurkic kept, he, he yelled out, 
when are y'all going to stop? When is it going to stop? It's not working. When is it going to stop? It was embarrassing. Like, it's not working. When is it going to stop? You keep driving into my chest. I'm right here. Like, you got to do something else. The Knicks are the only team in the league that will beat one defender, bring in a secondary defender, but not be able to get an open shot out of it. That's, that's schematic stuff. Understand? I understand the skill set part of it, but that's schematic stuff. And then until they start fixing that, they're going to struggle down the stretch against good teams. And that's what that Phoenix game did to me. And and when Jalen saves the Knicks by being a hero, God bless. God bless. But he's not going to be do, able to do it every time. So the Knicks need to be able to create better offense throughout the game. So that, that rhythm is there at the end of the game. And it's not just running, ramming your head into the wall down a stretch every single time. So that's a lot of the negative, but the positive is the Knicks, they couldn't put the Knicks away. They kept fighting back, fighting back, fighting back, and as much as they were getting a lot of the shots that they wanted, the, the, the defense, it gave up, you know, I think it was, was 117 points. That's, that's bad for the Knicks, but that's like average. That's, that's like average around the league. Guys scoring 140, 150 points. Phoenix's offense is, is a good offense even when Durant isn't playing. You know Durant's shooting 52% from three right now? He didn't play, but he's shooting 52%. These three-point ratings are going, their shooting percentages are going way up. I don't know if you guys are noticing. There's a lot of people shooting over 40%. There's like 80 players shooting over 40% right now. So when you guys are on this sky is falling stuff with the Knicks, it's like you need to have a little perspective. Fifth place, not playing well consistently, had a tough schedule, one of the tougher schedules to start the year in the in-season tournament. This is a tough team, and you need to give them credit. You need to recognize it and stop in the second quarter of a game where they're down seven points. Stop, stop trying to trade half the roster and fire the coach. For a team that's had some ups and downs and has had some struggles with individual players, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. For early season, they're doing okay. It's, it's just now December. So as far as I can, as far as, as far as, a big picture, they're doing okay. But when you see a loss like that to Phoenix, it gives you some perspective. Like, they need to fix something. You see them backsliding a little bit. It was a, the high pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson didn't happen as much in that Phoenix game. They went away from Randall a lot in that game because he struggled to start. And I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but then you see a game like the Charlotte game, Last night, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because it was Charlotte. They blew him out twice in the game. And there's no Lamella Ball who's been playing out of this world. And they beat Charlotte when Ball was playing. So it was a game they had to win, and they won it. They had to win by a good margin. They did that too. So you give them credit for all of those missions accomplished right there. But we're not going to sit around, you know, patting people on the back for having good games against Charlotte. However, kudos to Randall because it was necessary for him to have that 2020 game that he had. So kudos to Randall for that. And you saw him do the high pick and roll with Mitchell a couple times in that game. But that high pick and roll with Mitchell, it kind of opened the offense up a little bit. And you didn't see it a lot in the Phoenix game. Again, that stuff scares me. You, you Something is working and you understand, you'd have to understand how the pieces fit together. It's working and it's opening up other things down the line directly and indirectly and then you stop doing it. So that means the process isn't there. 
you have to know the process. And I, and I have faith that Tibbs does know this. It's just in general that he does focus on the right things. It's just, you know, things slip through the cracks. And it bothers me because it's like, yo, you got like 15 coaches there. Why are things slipping through the cracks? So it's, it's, it may be less a criticism on him and more criticism on everybody around him. We're not running Mitch pick and rolls enough. Let's do it. I should say Mitch and Randall. Pick and rolls. Let's do it. Quinn Grimes is good coming off screens. He's good at driving and, and getting the ball to Mitch. Let's get him driving the ball more. It drives me nuts. And one thing I will talk about from last night is I, I've been saying this all year. My concern is that too many of the Knicks are rhythm players. Too too much of rhythm players. All players are rhythm players to some degree. Too much rhythm players. Where Brunson dominated the Phoenix game, comes out in the Charlotte game, the ball finds Randall to start the game, and Brunson doesn't have a great game. Which is fine because the Knicks won, they won going away, so it's no big deal. But it continues the trend of Brunson not playing well when he doesn't have the ball as often. And one of the knocks on Brunson is him being a ball hog, and I scoff at some of it, but the ball is in his hands a lot. And when the ball's in his hands a lot, he tends to be effective at, a, at, an, at an elite level. Forgive me there. I'm fighting. That was a little bit of a stutter and a little bit of a frog in my throat for the last couple of days with this, I guess, a season, season changing, fighting off a cough the whole time I'm talking. But once again, Brunson not being able to dominate the ball leads to a less than efficient Brunson game. That scares me because it can't you can't have it both the Knicks need to have it both ways. They need to be able to go away from Brunson and have functional offense. And then be able to go back to Brunson for him to create offense for himself and to a much lesser extent other people, right? So um, and once again, that's something that needs to be cleaned up. But let's talk about two more things. RJ Barrett, and I said it. I said it. RJ comes back from injury. He's trash. And he's been trash since he came out. He's derailed his season completely. It, and it happens almost every single year. He'll have a stretch of games where he's playing well, and then he gets hurt, and he comes back, and he's trash. He's as trash as he's ever been right now. And it's heartbreaking because you don't really directly attribute his poor play to the Knicks' inconsistency. So everything that I just said – has to include the context of R.J. Barrett struggling. R.J. Barrett was the Knicks' best player before he got hurt. Playing the best, all right? Don't misunderstand me. Jaden is the best player, but R.J. was playing the best. And now R.J. is trash. He was shooting over 50% from the field, 45% from three. Which Come on, man. And now he's trash, and you don't think that's going to hurt the team? What kind of team do you think this is? You think an all-star team or something? He he went three for thirteen last night. I think That's what he's been doing or three for ten, whatever it was. He's been trash. And again, it's because of the injury. It's always the injury. He loses rhythm. He loses something coming back from injury. Maybe he's dragging because of the injury. Whatever it is, man, he's killing the team. You know that RJ leads the team in plus minus even after the last few games where he's been terrible. But you look at the game last night where. Where pretty much all the starters were in the plus. RJ was like even, broke even. 
right? So that tells you how poorly he's playing. He's in. He's he broke even in a game where the other starters were were uh, plus twenty. He's breaking even. Let's look at the season. The season, R.J. Barrett leads the team with plus eighty-three. Leads the team by eight points. That's Jalen. Jalen Brunson is next, and Hart. And that's what we know. Why is Hart playing? Yeah, Hart is third in the team with plus minus. And once again, on the flip side, Emmanuel quickly needs to play more. Yeah, Emmanuel quickly fourth on the team in plus minus. And as much as we criticize Randall, Randall's right there, fifth in plus minus. Those are your. Those are your. Five best players, and Mitchell Robinson is right there behind them with a plus 48, and Hartenstein is right behind him with a plus 34. Dante is right behind Hartenstein with a plus 23, and then we get down to poultry territory, and we're not going to bring up Quentin Grimes just yet. <laughs> but you know how bad RJ was last year, and plus minus, he was, I he was worse than Evan Fournier. So RJ's improved by leaps and bounds, but... Now, the last couple games after injury, he's right back to where he was last year. And in a game where, like, the entire starting lineup was a plus 20, except for Quentin Grimes, he was a plus zero. He's got to figure it out. I don't know what it is, but he's got to figure it out. The Knicks can't be consistent with him on the floor if he's not going to figure it out. The ball is in his hands too much. It hasn't been in his hands quite as much since he came back from injury. And I think that's, you know, it's a chicken and egg thing. Is it because he's not playing well, so they took the ball in his hands more? Or do they know that he's still not quite back? So, you know, they're like, you know, let's, let's ease back into it. But you can't be mad about it when he's playing as badly as he's playing. So, listen, that's cause for concern. There's no question about it. He's gotta he's gotta figure it out or the Knicks their potential's limited. Period. I've been teasing it the whole show. You know I like the kid. I'm a big Quentin Grimes supporter. I think Quentin Grimes and understand what I'm saying. I got into a back and forth with somebody over Quentin Grimes over the summer. I don't think Quentin Grimes is necessarily like an all star twenty five point twenty five point per game scorer ceiling. I think Quentin Grimes is a guy who can easily put 15 points on the board every game. Easily. In the Knicks offense. And and it would be, what it would do is it would just increase the Knicks. He wouldn't have to take the ball out of anyone else's hands to do it. All he would have to do would catch and attack closeouts, which he, which he was excellent at last year. And he can score on all three levels. In the Phoenix game, you saw him go for the pull-up midi a couple times, and he damn near shot an air ball. Now, we all, if you watch Quentin Grimes' his whole career, you know that that pull-up midi is in his bag. You know it is. He hasn't been doing it all year. He pulls it out in the Phoenix game and damn near shoots an air ball. Twice. Twice. Quentin could attack closeouts. We know you can shoot, get attack closeouts, and pull up. He can attack closeouts and, and finish at the front of the rim. He can attack closeouts and drop the ball off to Mitchell at a rate better than most of the Knicks because he has 
probably the quickest first step and most explosive first step on a team. So between his ability to finish, I'm not saying he's a great finisher, but he's he's a good one. The fact that he can get to the front of the rim and explode to the front of the rim better than most of the Knicks players, if not all of them, actually all of them, means he can make it to the line. The fact that he can pull up and hit, and hit the midi, that's points. He can hit the three. Obviously, that's points. He can score in transition. That's points. His problem is 80% in his head and 20% coaching staff. And I've said it. I've said it. They need to make it a focus to have the ball in his hands more, to run screen and roll more with him. And I put that on the coaching staff. And we talked about some of the schematic issues I have with the, with the coaching staff in general, offensively. But more and more, more and more, I'm putting the weight on what Quentin's struggles are on him. Because he's not aggressive enough. He's not doing the things that Dante does when he comes in the game. He's not doing the things that Josh Hart does when he comes into the game. You see both of those guys sometimes probe when they get the ball. When the ball finds them, they're either aggressive. Dante's aggressive shooting the ball. Sometimes he he gets the ball, runs screen and roll. Sometimes he has the ball and he probes looking for looking for a play to be made. Not often, man. Know that Josh does that more often than Dante does. But instead, what you've seen is the ball not finding his hands for those opportunities. That's schematic. But when the ball does find his in his hands or finds his hands for those opportunities, he doesn't do anything with it. It's hot potato. He just gives it to somebody else. And then you see him be scary on a pull-up jump shot, which is his bag. He's too scary out there. When the ball's when he's been dribbling the ball. He's been scary dribbling the ball. He's, his turnover rate while he's dribbling the ball more than five dribbles is, is probably the highest in the league. It's almost as bad as Cam was last year with it. It's really disheartening. It really is. And I I got into it on some, some Nick groups early in the year when it came to Grimes and his defense. And some of it was just objective, just correcting people with, who are, are, you know, giving bad information, but some of it was opinion. It was, you know, he was one of, well, last year he was one of the better perimeter players in the league last year. And people early in the season, and this is really early in the season, they were saying he can't play defense. And it was like, come on, man, he's one of the better defensive players in the league. Well, right now he's not. He looks real bad defensively. It was a stat I saw last week where it was like a 9% Increase the field goal percentage when he was guarding people. And some of that you can explain away for various reasons, but eh, he doesn't seem to be making the same impact. And, and the way you can hammer that home is by looking at his plus minus. And I hate to, you know, I talk about it a lot because it's an easy stat to look up, to be honest with you. But last year, his plus minus was third on the team. With a plus 185. By the way, this is kind of insane. And most of you know this, but Emmanuel Quickly's plus minus last year was double that of any other dink. Just about. Not quite double. But Josh Hart was like 100 points behind them and Josh Hart. I'm not sure if they're, they're including Portland stats in there or that's just Nick's stats. But 
Josh Hart was second, which is also impressive. But 319 plus 319 for Emmanuel quickly last year. And Josh Hart was second with a, a plus 191. But third was Quentin Grimes with plus 185. Third. That's how impactful he was last year. That's why I was arguing with those Knicks fans who were acting like he was a nothing five games into the season. But right now, Quentin Grimes is last on the team with a minus 19. Guys. The Knicks starting lineup, I checked it last week. They were like, I think they were top, they were like top 10. It was definitely top 10. I want to say it was six or seven. Sixth or seventh best starting line or five-man group. Not starting lineup. Five-man group in the league was the next starting lineup. So when people talk about, oh, you need to bench Grimes, bench Grimes, bench Grimes, it was like, oh, why would you mess with a good thing? But with that stat, look at the fact that he's a minus 19 and last on the team <laughs> in plus minus. How good would the starting lineup be if Quentin Grimes wasn't in it? And I'm not one who's been advocating for it and has actually shouted people down who actually not people who thought he should be benched. It wasn't so much that, but the reasons for it. Dante DiVincenzo has a couple of good games. Start Dante. Well, when Dante has six points or he goes one for five from three, nobody, nobody's talking about Dante anymore. I love Dante, though. I'm just saying, let's not be reactionary about who should start because Dante had a couple of good games. Right? But it's the same thing here. You got to kind of look at the big picture. Whereas Dante playing well, because I remember at the beginning of the season, people were trashing the move, and then he has a couple of good games, and they're like, start Dante. It's so stupid. But you look at the bigger picture, and the bigger picture has Dante really towards the bottom of the rotation players in plus minus. minus. Of all of the rotation players – Sands Quentin Grimes, he has the worst plus minus, which isn't a bad plus minus. It's plus 23. But it is worse by 11 points. Hartenstein is next with plus 34. So you're replacing him with, you, you'd be, if you replace him with Dante, you'd be replacing him with a guy who also is not the most effective player in his role right now on the team. Not playing poorly, so a relative, but not it's not like you're talking about replacing him with quickly, right? Now, and I'll get back to that because some of you are talking about replacing him with quickly. Right? So in a way, hey, maybe it makes sense because <laughs> because you have two guys who aren't playing quite as well as maybe they could be in their current roles. Grimes being, emphasis being on Grimes being terrible right now as a starter. But based on last year, I don't think it's, it matters if he's starting or not. I think he has a problem. Whatever the problem is, he's got it. Because there's no reason... It's the same starting lineup last year where he was, what, third third or fourth on the team in plus minus. It's the same starting lineup. So what's different? 
you. Or maybe the focus on the, the offense is different, but I don't think it is. It's the same role. And he was doing more with it last year than he's doing now. So I don't know if the problem is his role on the team and his role in the starting lineup as much as it is just his problem that he needs to fix. Because I'm sick of it. You gotta do. You can do more, so do it. And if Dante, who has no problem, <laughs> there's no problem in the starting lineup, clearly can be even more effective than he's been so far in the starting lineup, it might be worth shaking it up to see if you can shake Quinton up, Quinton up in the second in the in the, the second team. Then again, you don't want to hurt the second team. <laughs> you don't want to hurt the second team if he still has a problem. So it's a tough. It's tough. You're not a baby. He needs to play better. And I don't know if putting him with the second unit makes him play better. But maybe it does. He's he's very much a rhythm player, and he's out of rhythm a lot. And maybe the second team puts him in rhythm more. I I just don't know. Because right? they they play with a different pace. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just know that that minus 19, worse on the team and plus minus, that's a joke. Now, those of you talking about starting Quentin, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is not quite as good defensively when he's guarding bigger players, but uh, that might be nitpicking. But two things. Emmanuel Quickly is playing well in the role he's in right now, so why change it? What's the point? The Knicks starting lineup is still playing well, even with Grimes not playing well. So why change it? You're changing two things that are working uh, for the sake of one player, which would be Quentin Grimes. It's not for the sake of Emmanuel Quickly because he's playing well doing what he's doing. So you want Quickly to play more minutes. You don't necessarily need him to start. What's the point of doing that? If he's playing well, why change it? That's why it has to be about Dante because Dante is, you know, Playing better than Quentin, but he could be playing better. So why not? You're not losing much by switching that position, right? And last but not least, that brings us to Josh Hart, who, you know, had an article with Fred Katz talking about how he's a rhythm player and he's been out of rhythm and the ball's not in his hands as much as it was uh, in the second unit. He doesn't love playing back at power forward, which surprises me that he's actually, uh, you know, complaining about that. I thought he would like it because it means more minutes for him. But, you know, maybe just being honest. Uh, but the ball doesn't find his hands as much because Dante has the ball in his hands more. So now you're in a second unit situation where the ball needs to be in the hands of more players than it can be. So, you know, maybe maybe Quentin gets into more rhythm in that second unit. If you put the ball in Josh's hands more, maybe Dante can adjust because Dante hasn't actually been great with the ball in his hands anyway. So I can see a lineup change with Dante and Quentin. But I really feel like you got to figure out what Quentin's problem is. And I do know for sure that he's just too much of a rhythm player. There's just too many rhythm players on this team that are too dependent on their rhythm. And I want to be clear, all NBA players are rhythm players, but some players understand how to play their role and be effective. 
And I just don't – I think the Knicks might have too many guys who, you know, need, need the ball in their hands more to be in that rhythm. And it does – it hurts the continuity of the team just a little bit too much. I was actually surprised to read that article. Check that article out from Fred, from, uh, Fred Katz, The Athletic. Josh, Josh saying he doesn't feel in rhythm because he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much and this, that, and the other. You know, he's not a catch-and-shoot player. He, he can make shots, but he needs to have the ball. He needs to, be, need to feel a part of the offense more. He needs to have the ball in his hands more. And then you saw him in the Charlotte game have an excellent game. If the Knicks play with more pace, you can see the ball feeling or touching more players and more players getting in rhythm. So I think the answer to all of these problems is the Knicks playing with more pace. And the problem with that is Randall's not good at playing in pace. I think Brunson is is okay at it, but it's clearly not his strength. And those guys are on the floor for most of the game. So you can't play with pace with Randall. He always slows the pace down. So you know, how are they going to figure all of this out? I think in the regular season, they'll mostly be fine. It's just going to be in the playoffs when it raises ugly head again. We're going to wrap this up. Detroit coming up next. Always a scary game. I told you Detroit would be a little bit better. I'm about to choke to death again. I told you Detroit was going to be a little bit better this year. I was wrong. I was terribly wrong. They're trash. They're trash. But I think the Knicks are are a better team this year in terms of their their floor most nights is good enough to beat teams like Detroit. So I don't I don't get quite as concerned as I used to when it comes to the Knicks and, and bad teams, but you know, I just jinxed them. I also told you Washington would be better this year than people thought and I was so wrong on that because I thought Jordan Poole was less of a nickelberry than he is. But he's definitely a full dingleberry. So I was dead wrong there. And now Charlotte, Charlotte is about to fall off with Dona Mello Ball. Uh, you know, it's the end of days for Charlotte in their season with no ball out there who was playing terrific. It's a shame to see that kid play as well as he was playing and didn't have that kind of freak injury. But Detroit's up next in season tournament next week. Give the team credit for being where they are. Play Milwaukee, I don't care who they play. You want to win it. You got. You want to beat the man, you got to beat the man. Milwaukee's not unbeatable. You should have had them. Actually did have them, if not for a bad call in that game. I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. So let's see. The Knicks are going to play with some heart in that game and pull it out. Still got a chance to win this in-season championship. Let's root for it. I don't care. I saw a guy the other day say, I don't care about the in-season tournament. I'd rather win a championship. What a doofus. Why are you going to say something like that? What does one have to do with the other? You dummy. Anyway, we're out of here. Check out, follow, at Sports Ethos, at Ethos Knicks. Until next time. (laughs) 